Welcome back to the Evolution Podcast, episode 136 with R.L. Shaver. My name is Jeff Bayless. You can follow me on Instagram at Jeff Bayless underscore. And if you get anything out of the show, I say this every week, but I really mean it, guys. It'd really be helpful uh, to just go to iTunes, give me a five-star review, push it out to a friend. Uh, I'm not trying to... Uh, put a lot of requirements on you, but just, it really does help. It really does help. And so, uh, if you get anything out of it, I really would appreciate that effort guys. Uh, so, uh, RL, I think by now you guys have picked up on the thread that resilience is a huge part of this project, right? And it's also near and dear to my heart. Uh, I think there are many healing modalities and many, uh, journeys that we all have to go through in order to maybe just get through the other end of that tunnel. And uh, man, what, what a valuable resource for anyone that uh, either has gone through, is going through, or is going to go through some level of hardship. Uh, and so RL tells his story of just that. Uh, <clears throat> I don't want to give too much of it away, but I think it's, it's pretty upfront uh, and pretty open about the fact that, you know, his infant son had heart surgeries, multiple heart surgeries, and uh, it was just a very trying time for him uh, to go through that. Uh, He talks about the pain that he endured, how he got through it, how his spirituality helped him through as well. And so uh, just a really remarkable story of not only, uh, you know, his son, but also a personal triumph of Uh, Like he said, you know, basically going to war uh, with, uh, you know, these struggles of watching your, you know, child, your innocent child go through uh, some very painful uh, experiences. And so, uh, you know, (laughs) although it is somewhat of a heavy topic, I will tell you that, you know, we do crack a few jokes in here and uh, it's not all as heavy as (laughs) maybe this intro uh, started off with. So. Again, guys, enjoy. If you get anything out of it, uh, like, share, subscribe, review, all that stuff. And then I'll link up stuff in the show notes for RL. And, uh, you know, I'll kind of close it out here, too, uh, and and remind you at the end. All right. Tune in. Enjoy. All right. Welcome back to the Evolution Podcast. Uh, You know, I... I can't remember what episode this number this is, but anyway, we're up there like 135, 140, somewhere in there. Um, so first question, jumping in, I, you know, we 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 got connected through a mutual friend, and then I heard your story, uh, you know, very briefly uh, over a phone call, and was like, man, this is this is definitely right in line with, uh, you know, kind of the kind of the thread that uh, I tend to follow, which is people that you know have overcome. Uh, just extreme amount of uh, adversity in order to gain that, that, that resilience, right. That, uh, you know, it's kind of a buzzword now for a reason, because we're waking up to this idea that we need to be resilient as human beings, having uh, this, this human experience, even though we're spiritual beings. Right. Um, yeah. And so, <laughs> you know, I guess coming in. So just as an icebreaker, like what does RL stand for? What, what is RL? Cause I, I know a lot of like, like I've been called JT. I know a guy's okay. like DW. Like I, I've got some different uh, buddies of mine that, that go by, you know, different, uh, 
uh, first and middle name. So is, is that a correct assumption? RL is your first and middle name or it is, it is, you know, most actually one of the, so the activities, <laughs> I, <laughs> one of the activities that I had the most fun at with, uh, growing up was like making people guess. Um, and I'd get Reginald Lawrence was usually pretty common for whatever reason. Um, never got Ralph Lauren. Um, oh, you know, yeah. Yeah. uh, I, I usually tell people really little cause I'm like six, three, and they look at me and go, what, <laughs> you know, but it's, it's Ronald Lane and, okay. um, I'm a junior and I'm actually, my uncle was Donald Wayne. And so my dad was Ronald Lane. And so I'm Ronald Lane Shelver Jr. Cool. Cool. So almost the third. Yeah. Um, okay, cool, man. So, you know, I, you know, I know we're going to get into like your story and it, it was impactful to me just on the short conversation that we had. And, um, I know that, uh, we're going to get through all the the nuts and bolts, the meat and potatoes, but, you know, just jumping off everybody that has ever listened to this podcast already knows where I'm going. You know, I think it's super important. Um, it's been probably one of the most beneficial things in my life is to focus on the now, not really, you know, I do have a 20 year plan for my retirement. I have a plan for this, that, and the other. And I also definitely recognize historically what has happened in my life in the rearview mirror. However, I choose to frame my focus in the now. And so with that, I would, you know, I would just ask you to tee it up, you know, like, what are you excited about right now? Like what gets you going right now? What is your prime mover right now in the moment? You know, um, right now, um, you know, I have kids, I have a six-year-old and a 10-year-old and they are constantly uh, a now thing, you know, um, especially with, you know, Isaiah's 10, um, and I realized that teenage years are coming really soon. So that's really cool. And there's a lot of now stuff. Um, I switched jobs about a year and a half ago. Um, so that's actually been, and I'm, I'm pretty entrepreneurial. So it's been kind of weird for me to be like, Hey, I'm actually really digging my job, but I'm actually really digging my job. I'll actually work with the guys with, uh, people in Portugal and Serbia and all, literally all over the world. Like we'll be on video calls and, um, you know, at, obviously my book, I'm super excited about that, but, um, you know, actually it's been kind of fun, um, doing this podcast stuff, like getting yeah. to talk to people and getting to share my story and getting to be open in a way that, you know, I, I realize that probably a lot less people read than I do. Um, mm. I think my publisher told me, you know, 85% of books are bought by women. So, if, one, if I want to reach men, this might be actually be a better avenue to do it. And honestly, I, I dig this. Um, and actually, to be honest, just doing this podcast, like in the very narrow version of right now, I'm super, I'm actually really excited to do this. This is the, the fourth podcast I'm jumping on about this. I've got a couple more lined up, but you know, um, the last two I did were both with, with awesome ladies. Uh, but you know, my book is really as much as it's about surviving, you know, going through stuff, it's really about warfare, you know, uh, mm. waging war for your kid. And it's something that I, that I just, war is a, like a drumbeat in, in men's lives. We need something to wage war over, you know, to quote John Eldridge, but like being able to talk with another guy who's, you know, who's, you know, you were in the military. I'm sure you understand that need for combat. It's kind of nice to be able to talk in, in those terms. Uh, that's great, man. There's a lot right there already to unpack with just the first question. So 
you know, you, you brought up your kids and, and, and your career. Uh, the book, obviously, we'll get to. I think the first thing, um, you know, I'll jump to is, you know, you, you talked about sharing your story. And I think on top of any story is like a message, right? Because if there's a story and there's no message, then we're really just, we're missing the mark, right? Like we're just, uh, and, and it's not to say that I don't, uh, I mean, I've definitely read uh, fiction books, but I do tend towards the nonfiction because I want to, I want to hear the real life story in take that message from it. And so I think one of the benefits of the podcast realm, and I appreciate you coming on, and I know you're going to share very, very vulnerably exactly everything you experienced. You know, one of the things with this podcast realm is you can have a meaningful conversation. And I say this all the time, it's like the most undervalued resource out there, right? Like everybody's looking for therapy, they're looking for the next SSRI, which those things helped me. Um, you know, I was on SSRI for a year, I've been in and out of therapy my whole life from probably about 10 years old. I got it. That stuff helps. Uh, I'm in marriage counseling now. That is all great. But you know, at the root, just having a meaningful conversation with another human being that wants to be there specifically to have that conversation with you, podcast kind of opens the floor for that. So yeah. uh, you brought up you brought up masculine energy. Um, so I'll just kind of start with that. Maybe is there like an underlying theme of, you know, because I think a lot of men do shy away from uh, being proud of being a man nowadays, right? Like it's almost this thing where uh, this, you know, I would also say I read a book, uh, Mask Masculinity by Lewis House, it changed my life where we just wear this mask of like, you know, trying to stuff things down and anything that happened to us that opened us up vulnerably, you know, uh, obviously Brene Brown and power of vulnerability and all of these things, you know, are super helpful. But so what, what does masculinity look like for you? Or, you know, how do you relate to other men? Um, because you brought it up, right? So it, oh, it, must, yeah, yeah. it must be kind of heavy uh, in, in your thought process. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I guess for me, me being a man, so I'm a, I remember one of the first books that I was like, this impacted my life was Eldridge's Wild at Heart. And uh, I don't know if you've read any of Eldridge. I have not. Yeah. So I actually just wrote huh? that down. Yeah. <laughs> um yeah Eldridge's Wild at Heart and Way of the Wild Heart are, are really cool um but you know for me being a man like the cool thing about Eldridge and the number one message I got out of that is like all the things that I felt like I had to apologize for growing up you know wanting to destroy things wanting to be aggressive wanting to be all this stuff. and I'm not an aggressive guy I'm actually pretty like if you if you do personality temperaments I'm actually like a, a cross between a sanguine and a peaceful phlegmatic I'm, I'm like a people person so mm -hmm. extroverted, introverted people person. Sure. Um, mm -hmm. But like for me, being like being a man, oh, dude, okay. Um, I was actually thinking about this. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day. And forgive me, my brain's like sparking on all this different stuff because like I was literally preparing for this and thinking of this. You don't have to apologize, dude. It's a discursive conversation on purpose. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So I, I was reading, reading Hemingway's What It Takes to Be a Man, which I don't agree with. Um, he was like, you know, you need to fight a bull, plant a tree, write a book. And he had a fourth thing. Hell, have a kid. And I was like, okay, those are great. I don't feel like writing a book made me a man. Um, I planted trees because I grew up in West Virginia. <laughs> you know, um, I've never fought a bull. I got this, the, the poop scared out of me um, by a bull that was breeding my, my dad's cows. I mean, like I just, I hopped in the, the, the corral with, with a bull. And he just, I realized at the time I was in super 
great shape. And I realized that I was nothing to him, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but actually I like Jocko. Um, I like his, um, he didn't even really call it a definition of masculinity, but he said, you know, for me, and you got to do the, the gravelly masculine Jocko voice. I mean, do you listen to Jocko? Of course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. 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 I've so, read all his books too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he was like, you know, for me, I, uh, I have some like, friends that actually know him. They call him Captain Intensity. Yeah, I'm sure. That's his, <laughs> sure. That's his Frogman nick, nickname. Yeah. <laughs> oh, dude, it's it's so cool. I, I nerd out about like special forces dudes. Um, anyway, I'll quit sanguining out. Um, he said that there was three things that made him feel like a man. And he's like, when I trained for combat, when I went to combat, and when I had a kid, um, and I know for me, like I've not seen combat, I've no military background, but for me, when I laid it all on the line for my kid um, with Samuel's heart surgeries and stuff, when I trained for that and, you know, digging into who God says we are and what spiritual warfare is and stuff like that, and then actually standing through that and realizing that realistically and i think what it is is like standing through that to the end of yourself and knowing that you're never going to quit you for something that you believe in and you're passionate about you would literally lay it on the line and getting to see that played out in real life i think that for me was when i realized that like hey i feel i feel confident in who i am as a man and it was the first Mm -hmm. time in, in life and that's you know 30 was 36 or 37 somewhere in there no 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 no. sorry 32 or 33 so yeah yeah well on your way into manhood uh when you realize that yeah that that was the thing that taught you what manhood looked like for you right yeah um so I guess maybe this would be a good time to just go ahead and jump into the story um you know I've heard it, you know, and it's, uh, I mean, it kind of breaks my heart as a father as well. Right. You know, um, my son has, uh, a mild, very mild form of cerebral palsy and, okay. you know, my heart just breaks for the challenges that he has to endure. Uh, and then at the same time, I think, well, it's teaching him something, right? Like anything I've had to endure, uh, for the, I say this all the time, but you know, there's two things that any, any challenge is going to offer you. And that the first thing, if, if you have the right lens to look through it, uh, what is this trying to teach me? What can I learn from this? Right. And then what do I have to be grateful for? I think if you ask yourself those two questions, anytime you're going through any shape, form of adversity or challenge, it really helps you reframe and reset. Right. And so, uh, you know, just on our phone conversation, I knew that those were some of the things that you grappled with. Right. And then we can jump into spirituality because I think it's going to all be tied together uh, in your journey. So it's a, it's a, it's a clumsy way to ask the question, but please just share your story, man. Like, yeah, Yeah, dude. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I like about podcasts. I hate podcasts and I love podcasts. Um, (laughs) I actually really do. I have uh, a buddy of mine. I was, I reviewed his podcast and he does five minute podcasts and uh, I was, 
I commented, I was like, I hate podcasts, but I like yours because it's like five minutes, which also yours is like, I was listening to all the rest of yours that aren't interviews and they're like 15 minutes. And I'm like, dude, this is cool. I like this. I could get That's into the this. goal. Yeah. Yeah. Keep, yeah. keep the solos to 15 and the interviews. Just let it, let it do what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and that's the cool thing about having a, you know, a conversation with a, pers- a person, like you bring out things that they, they need to hear and, you know, are, are unique for the, the specific situation, but you know, Absolutely. two and a half. Yeah. So I got married late in life. I'd wanted to get married uh, since I was like six and um, met my wife. We got married, had a kid. Uh, Wait, you know. l- let's not gloss over that. So you wanted to get married since you were six. <laughs> yeah. Like it was, it was a goal for you. Like, this is what I do. I get married. I want to get married. You know, I grew up okay. in, um, my parents, uh, my parents had, you know, they, they grew up in pretty rough households. Um, okay. my dad's dad, I loved him. He was my, my great grandpa or my, my, not my great, but my grandpa. Um, he was, he was a very, he was an alcoholic almost his entire life and which mm. was really rough on my dad. And my dad responded by, you know, trying to control everything he could control. And my mom was, a you know, a child of divorce. Um, she was one of six kids. Um, she was a middle child and, um, you know, but the great thing is, is like my parents did the best they could for us. Mm. And, um, I mean, I came out with a lot of hurts, um, a lot of things that were broken because they were broken coming into being parents, but, you know, thank God I, I got around solid people who coached me and, and good books that helped me do what therapy would have probably done if I'd have went to therapy, which was, you know, deal with who I, you know, deal with fixing the problems, you mm-hmm. know? Um, but yeah. So in my parents, I saw a good model of, of marriage and I admired what they had. And so I wanted to be married at six. Um, unfortunately I was a little bit of a people pleaser and like way too, like too nice, you know? Um, I, I Ted Mose beat a lot of girls. If you've ever watched the show, how I met your mother, um, just, you know, <laughs> I don't know if you've seen it or not. Um, but yeah, so I wanted to be married at like six years old and, um, didn't get married till I was 30. So it was kind of a long wait, Yeah, you know? And but, so how did, how did you meet your wife? So it's funny. Cause like, I, I got out of, uh, I got out of a, I, like, I was about to the point where I was about to not trust women anymore. And then I started dating a girl that I was friends with. And then she proved to me like, everything that I should not trust about women, which was a really weird way to, to do things. Mm. And we ended up breaking up. And within a month, like my best friend, Aaron, um, he told me, he was like, Hey man, um, you should come to this Bible study. You haven't been in church in a while. You should come to this with me. And I said, well, dude, are there any girls there? And he's like, none for you, man. And I was like, great. <laughs> this is perfect. <laughs> so I show up, man. And she's, uh, she's standing in the room and she's this blonde and she's smiling and she's you know being being nice and friendly and she's brought brownies and i was like my heart is broken right now but you're kind of cute <laughs> you know yeah, and yeah, she, yeah. she she actually had had actually never uh, like fully dated anybody before and um so we started hanging out we hung out for about six months um and then uh decided to start dating got married within, uh, we, we started dating in December, got married, got engaged in August and got married in November, November 22nd. Okay. So you guys get married, um, and you're, what'd you say? 30, right? Yeah. Like 31. 
Yeah. Okay. And so the kids were probably in the plan. I'm assuming. Yeah. Yeah. My, my oldest, actually, when I moved to Pittsburgh, I had a kid, um, with a girl and, um, you know, things like things didn't work out. Um, you know, I'm not going to go into a ton of it, but like things didn't work out. And, um, you know, when I started dating Stephanie, I started to get to see him. Actually, it was kind of funny. I I got a wife and, and to see my kid in, in like all in one time period. And so, you know, he, um, I started getting to hang around him. It was pretty awesome. And then Stephanie wanted to have a kid. Um, and so we had a kid, I mean, like pretty much right away. I mean, she got pregnant within the first month or two, but we, we were married in November. She was due October 10th with Samuel. So it would have been, you know, what is that? 10, 11, 11, 12 months, something like that. Well, so that sounds like a new year's baby. Cause I'm a new year's baby. Right. So my birthday is October 6th and they say like everybody that's born around that time frame, they were probably conceived around new year's. Uh, Interesting. So they, yeah. They call us party babies. Yeah. <laughs> so, Interesting. I'll have to, I'll have to talk to her about that and be like, Hey, baby. yeah. Cause you know, like pregnancy, even though they say nine months, it's really like 10 to term. Right. So yeah. Uh, New Year's babies yeah. typically are born around the, the first part of October, but okay. So yeah. So first wife didn't work out. Yeah. Actually it wasn't why we weren't married. We, we okay, dated I'm for sorry. three months. Yep. No, 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 no. You're first, fine. first relationship. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, not connected to the kid until uh, he's two. Yeah. Right. Okay. So at the same time, like all of these beautiful things are coming in your life, right? Like reconnection with, uh, a child, uh, yeah connection with your wife connection with you know the the beautiful gift that it is to have a kid yeah. right and and also you know to actually at least for intents and purposes at this time you're going to be like a huge role in this kid's life right like you know you're going to have that um that uh you know that in-home situation right that yeah. you know in 2021 let's be honest that's not everybody right like you know there's a lot of my house included, you know, there's a lot of, uh, blended families. So, you know, that, yeah. that, that's a lot to process at one time, right? Like a lot of goodness coming into your way. And then, so what's the job front look like at that's, you know, around this time too. I was still, I was still working for an oil and gas company at the time. And, um, you know, it was actually pretty calm. It wasn't too crazy. It was kind of oppressive and abusive, but not really that bad. Um, there was one boss that kind of made things kind of rough, but, for the most part, I didn't deal with him. Things didn't really start to get bad with him until like my last couple of years. And it was more just a matter of like, I knew I was, I was doing a lot more and I could, knew I could do a lot more. And so I took on more and took on more and took on more and expecting to get rewarded for it. And no, we're, we're never going to promote you. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? It doesn't I always mean, work out that way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, dude, it, it's like, literally I was doing like three, four, five roles. I was doing the job of like a, um, you know, database administrator, like a SQL DBA, SQL developer, um, reservoir engineer, reservoir engineering analyst. Um, I was, you know, checking all their work, which is really should be a management function. You know, I was doing a lot of the work for them. I was programming a lot of the work so they didn't have to do it, you know, because, yeah. so. So, uh, and your son is due to be born around what time yeah october october 10th no no i mean uh what year i'm sorry oh yeah 2014 okay so 2014 okay so yeah. son's born uh you know life is good oh yeah then then what 
Yeah. Well, it's funny. Cause like I talk about in the book, like I was super, I was so grateful. Cause like, I mean, you gotta think if I was six, when I wanted to get married and I was 30, 31, I mean, it's 24, 25 years that I've been waiting to get this, you know, to see this come to fruition. Yeah. You know, so I was super grateful and, you know, with Isaiah, I was super grateful. And so actually, um, you know, I talk about it in the book, like I wanted to let God tell me the name that he had for Samuel. And, um, it was kind of cool. Cause it's like, it did not make Stephanie super happy. Cause I waited, I waited until I held him in my arms and I was going to choose. Cause like I, I had still hadn't heard anything from God for the entire pregnancy. Hey God, I want to, cause I literally, my prayer was God. I'm so grateful for what you've done in my life. You finally brought all these dreams to fruition. I want to name my kid, the book that, or the name that you have on, written on your books for him, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, so and we get when she was in labor, I still didn't have a name. She was so yeah. mad. It was kind of funny. And like, I uh, finally just was like, um, okay, God, listen, if you don't, I'm going to pick either Ronald third, or I'm going to pick David. And then as soon as I picked up Samuel, I just felt this overwhelming warmth and presence. And I heard the name Samuel. Mm. And that was it. And so he was born and we named him Samuel. And yeah everything checks out i mean you know there's like the precursory you know initial check and they go out in the other room and you know well you he was wheezing from the very beginning like okay. he was and we just thought it was some cute noise he was making we're like oh it's so cute and they're like no it's not cute he has fluid in his lungs and uh we didn't think i didn't think too much of it because i'd been praying this whole pregnancy that um he'd be strong that everything's going to be okay and um like his heart was racing 260 some beats a minute, yeah. you know? So from yeah. the SVT and then they told us his valve was having trouble too. Which don't, don't infant. I mean, I'm getting the minutiae here, but don't infants, they have a, yeah. a faster heart rate anyway. Right. You know? Yeah. 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 His like heart my resting heart rates like 47 or something, but you know, you, for kids, you must be in fantastic health too, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. I, well, I try. Yeah. But yeah. so for yeah. kids, um, they I mean, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but they, I mean, they kind of have a faster heart rate anyway. Right. Like, yeah, they will be at like 130, 140, somewhere sure. in there, mm-hmm. but he was double, like basically with SVT, it was kind of short circuiting. So he was double beating, okay. you know? So um, already some, some issues with the heart. Yeah. Yeah. So some issues mm-hmm. with the heart, honestly, I mean, he stayed in the hospital for his first week and then he came home. Everything seemed normal. They gave him a couple some beds. So he's been on, uh, heart regulation med since he was born, um, or he was on heart regulation med since he was born. Uh, and not to get into the minutia, but I don't want to get too boring on this, but long and short, we had a, you know, week in October, cause he was born in September. He was born two weeks early and, uh, had a week in October and then maybe had a week in November or something like that where he went in. But for the most part, I mean, like they didn't think anything bad until like December 6th, like he was, Steph had knew something was up. So she took him to the, to the, to the doctor. She came back, he turned blue. Um, and we freaked out, Yeah, <laughs> drove him, drove him to the ER. I called an ambulance, but we're like five minutes away from the hospital. So I was like, I'm just going to drive him. You guys are 15 minutes out. Let's just go. So, uh, long and short, we took him. They told us, Hey, my two and a half months old is going to have to go undergo open heart surgery. And not only that, but it's like, it's not 
it's not even going to fix it. It's just going to hold him temporarily until he can get big enough to where they can do something that will fix it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah, I was pretty devastated, you know? Of course. Uh, yeah. 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 So um, how did, how did that work with you and your wife at the time? Did you kind of pull together and, you know, did it, because I find in times of like extreme challenge, you know, there, there's a choice there, right? Like we're either going to pull together <laughs> and get stronger or, you know, we're not, you know, or we're going to go in the opposite direction. Like, yeah, I, um, like how was that dynamic, I guess, at the, at the initial, it wasn't wasn't great. I know when Steph, so when Steph tends to, to, to face trauma, she just tends tends to shut down. Mm -hmm. So, um, I kind of had to just be, to step in. I mean, it is what it is, you know, but I had to step in and really, um, you know, take over a lot. And granted she did a ton. Like she was, she was there with him the entire time he was in the hospital. Every time he was in the hospital, she was there, you know, she she busted her butt to make sure she was there with him. But like, as far as us, um, you know, she, she, I had to pull a lot of it out. And actually she, she dealt with a lot of, she's dealt with a lot of trauma in her life. And it's one of the reasons that I love, I was really excited to talk to you about stuff and be on your podcast with, because I've, I've been listening to some of the stuff you talk about trauma and such. Dude, and, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I certainly know what the hell I'm talking about <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> from, from extreme experience. Actually, I was just on a phone call before we, we jumped on here and a buddy was telling me like, yeah, like one of your greatest gifts is because of the sheer amount of trauma you've had. He made an analogy. He's like, you know, imagine you're a ship out on the ocean. You're you're a known quantity. So like you're that rock, you know, if I'm stranded out, you're that rock that I can just like, I could lay on and take a nap for an hour. It's like, yes. dude. and I told him, I was like, bro, that's, that's the best, comp- that's probably the best compliment anybody's ever given me. So <laughs> not, not to make it about me, but no, no I do, absolutely. No, I do receive that because, uh, I, I, I do recognize trauma and I do not judge people for having been through trauma because yeah. it's uh it, it's not your choice always. Yeah. No, no. And it's one of the things that like, I was, I was actually talking to a military buddy of mine who runs a, a company called, um, gosh, what's, why am I blanking? RIP. Um, anyway, it, he, it always happens when a microphone's in your face. Yeah, <laughs> it, it does, man. My, yeah. I was talking to my buddy, Dustin, and I, and I don't think he got this. Um, but I told him, I was like, I chase trauma now, like mm-hmm. at, at this point in my life. Um, if I see somebody who's been traumatized or going through hell, um, well, first of all, like God promises that he is close to the brokenhearted. Mm. But second of all, like God tells us, like, we need to weep with those who weep and we need to mourn with those who mourn. And it's cool because like, I mean, you know, certain things you do when you're doing the right things or when you're worshiping the Lord or stuff like that, like, there's times where you just feel the tangible presence of the Holy Spirit, you know, like this overwhelming whatever. And it's just cool to know that I'm doing what God's doing and like being like, we're working together to do stuff, to make his body better, to make his people better, to, to really just chase somebody down and say, Hey, listen, you're hurting. I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be there with you, you know? Well, and, and to add to that, I, I 100% agree. And to add to that, it's, it's hard, it's hard to even call it like service because it's so rewarding, right? Like it yeah. feels so good for me to share with someone through a bad experience, you know, to yeah. just say, just to hold the space for them, just say, Hey man, I get it. Like I've been there. Like, yeah, cool, cool story. Like I, 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 I can relate to about 90% of that the other 10%, I don't need to, I can just hold the space for it, you know? Exactly. 
So, so first surgery, uh, you know, everything's good. Yeah. Um, you know, bring, bring him home. Uh, you know, things are picking back up. I'm assuming the career's still trending in the right direction kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, the cool thing is, is like right before Samuel was born, I mean, my, my employer was like, they were just being stupid. Um, but everything was fun through the entire process, you know? Um, but you know, we, we came out of that. Um, actually Isaiah's mom and I had a, a little bit of issues. I mean, I'm going to go into it now, but uh, sure. we had, we had some issues in that time period. So like coming out of the hospital, like it was kind of continued stress. It was a challenging and, environment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but then things got, you know, things finally cleared up. And then in March and April, Samuel had two more surgeries. Um, and, you know, through that time period, I was through that time period, I, I kind of break down the, the book and the, um, I don't know if I, I clarified as much in the book, but I definitely break down that period of my life in three periods and the first so, period. Okay. Bef before I don't forget what's the name yeah. of the book and cause it's on pre-release <laughs> right now. It's so, right. Yeah. Right. So what's the name uh, of the book? Just so in, in case I space it later. Yeah. 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 Uh, for this child, I've prayed, uh, six hard surgeries, 18 months. Um, okay. that was the name of the book. It's super long title. It's probably easier to find it off of my last name, R.L. Shaver. Well, I'll uh, link everything in the show notes, but I just wanted to give someone. Yeah. Know, yeah. I'll, I'll put links and everything in the show notes. So yeah, I, yeah. I figured you would, but yeah, I still yeah. wanted to throw it out there because I almost laugh at how long the title is. I always thought, <laughs> of, <laughs> I thought about naming it third Samuel, <laughs> you know, did, uh, did they? Oh, because he, yeah. Three times I got you. No, yeah. no, no, no. Mainly because of like, I love first and second Samuel. Um, oh, got you. Okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it felt like it might be too sacrilegious, you know? Uh, it depends on the audience you're trying to target, I guess, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm still kind of broad figuring some somewhat figuring my audience. Um, but I don't want to throw somebody off unnecessarily from the Let's, beginning. Cause they just don't catch my sense of humor. We'll, <laughs> we'll go back all the way, uh, through spirituality here, but so yeah. I want to get through the, like the actual story. So, you know, okay. second and third surgery, and this was basically just to repair the heart. Cause we knew the yeah. first surgery was a temporary fix kind of deal. Right. Yeah. So I'll just, I'll run it through super fast. So we're not, cause I know we we've, we're, you're practically reading the book at this point. So March, he had a valve, like he got, finally got big enough and he started having problems. They had put a stitch in his, his valve, his mitral valve. And then um, in March, the stitch started to go the opposite direction. Like it was keeping things closed so it could beat well. And then it started to cause stenosis or too much, you know, not enough fluid going through. So they went ahead and replaced the heart valve. Well, then they screwed some things up. And uh, within a month, he had a, another heart valve, the same heart valve replaced again, because they just, they didn't listen to my wife, man. They don't listen to the, like when you don't listen to parents, and pretend the parents aren't the experts on their kids. It's kind of, you know, parents know something's wrong, you know? Um, and it actually taught me a great lesson to fight, you know, even fight the experts. If you don't, if, if you know something's wrong, like at least question the experts, Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and don't feel bad about, don't feel bad about like, oh, well, they're an expert. They shouldn't be questioned. Hell no. And for, forgive me for swearing, but hell no. Like, no, I, I don't have a rule about that. Yeah. I know you don't, but I didn't know if like, no, not, you're good, bro. You, yeah. you know, for your audience, anything like that, but it's no, seriously, if you feel man, passionate about it. It's worth it. Yeah, sure. Dude, like 
you have to fight for your kids. You have to be an advocate for your kids. And um, anyway, long story short, he had a couple strokes and then he had, because um, he clotted up and uh, he had another valve replacement. So that was the first, you know, six months. Uh, yeah, six, first six months of his life, seven months of his life. And then we had a, a pretty lull period. And um, every time he went into SVT, so this was part of the trauma of the experience. Every time he went into SVT, his heart would race double. If we couldn't get out, get him out of it, then we had to race him back down to the hospital because the problem was if the valve wasn't beating at normal speed, it was beating too fast. It wasn't, the, the valve's not designed to, to pump blood. Well, the heart's not designed to pump blood well that fast for, the, for a long period of time. So his heart valve would start to clot. And, um, if it clotted, we had to replace it again. So every time he was in SVT, we had to make an emergency trip. to the what's, hospital. Uh, what's SVT again? Uh, supraventricular tachycardia, but that's the racing heart. That's the double speed short circuit. I understand. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sorry to for all the medical terms. <laughs> no, it's good. No, it's good. So, um, so we get to a point where now, and I remember in our conversation, like there was a, like a pig heart valve that was put in. Yeah. Right. And then it went to yeah. like a mechanical heart yeah. valve and he's seven now. He's eight? seven. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, go ahead. Yeah. So like, that summer uh, was a summer of personal growth and a very chill period. And then November, um, he went back in for another heart valve replacement. And then we had a big fight with SVT and heart valves. And he got two more valves um, after that. And uh, they started doing surgeries to, to, to do an ablation. So where they, they took care of the SVT. And so the last valve that they put in in March of 2016 was a pig valve. And they also successfully ablated. So we had no problems at all for the next five years. And he, he just recently had a valve replacement this past, past October. But I mean, because of what we went through, I mean, we just, we, we were like, he's going to be day. fun. Yeah. Yeah. This is, and, and in fact, it was cool. Cause like we were able to actually um, be there avail mentally available for people that were in the hospital with our own stuff because like, Hey, we've, we've waged this war before we've won this war. We want to help yeah. you win it, you know? So a few things come to mind. So this, this is, I mean, obviously we're just hitting the wave tops on all of the little details that probably caused you a lot of little cuts by a thousand razor blades. Right. As far as yeah. like just nicking you with traumatic experiences, right? Like, anybody that has kids, or even if you don't have kids, if you have a younger sibling, or if you don't have a younger sibling, just to transpose it onto yourself as a kid, you know, maybe if you have some compassion towards your parents, like, you know, I know when I was going through a lot of really hard stuff, like it was hard for my parents to watch, right? So I think on any, I would just invite the listener, you know, on, on any uh, any lens you choose to view this from, it's got to be extremely uh, challenging. And there's probably just a lot of little traumatic events over the, over the course of, well, seven years, right. Uh, At at a minimum. So I guess, you know, just first question I would say is, you know, like what was the hardest part, you know, not, not hardest experience, uh, but what was the hardest thing, right? Like for me, I can, I can layer down to, three or four things that were like the hardest to the hardest jagged little pill I had to swallow. Right. Yeah. Um, so I don't mean, 
you know, one instance where he had to rush him to the hospital. What I mean is like, what was the hardest thing for you as a father that you had to, the pill you had to swallow that maybe you had to overcome? A random quick question. Are you able to pause it for just a second? I can. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be right back. All right. Well, I'd love to say something really cool and profound happened off mic, but actually we both just had to pee. So nothing wrong with that. (laughs) That's how it goes, man. That's the beauty of the podcast world. So that's what keeps it authentic. Yeah. So, so yeah, no, I just asked, you know, basically what was maybe the hardest jagged little pill you had to swallow during the whole uh, seven year saga of like watching your kid damn near die. Yeah. Um, You know, really actually after, after he got a year and a half and we get that um, sixth heart surgery, like things were solid for the next however long. Um, you know, in a lot of ways, it was a lot of little things. I remember, um, you know, there was, I mean, there was a bunch of like jagged little pills, like things that are hard to swallow. Like the first one was, you know, when he was born and we were facing open heart surgery. God, listen, I've been praying that the kids are going to be okay. Like he's not okay. He's going for open heart surgery. What are you doing? What's going on? That was, you know, that was pill number one. Uh, pill number two was, you know, when the stenosis started getting really bad. So when the, the stitch, um, started going the opposite way and, um, you know, trying to just seeing him get so gaunt, so thin, you know, he's, he's six months old. He's supposed to be fat and happy. And here's this kid that looks like looks emaciated. And I remember, I remember the day I still, I don't think I'll ever forget this day. I remember coming, going to church. Cause I was like, I need to be around somebody and going to church and smiling and trying to talk to some people and make some friends and see some people, some familiar faces. And I remember coming in the hospital and like seeing my, my worried wife's face, super worried. And, uh, Samuel, like she tried, she was trying to get him to feed. He, she couldn't get him to feed. And, uh, I remember changing changing his diaper and it looked like cottage cheese, you know? And I just mm. knew he was just not processing food. And I was just like, you know, that was a tough moment. Um, I remember after the lull of the summer, like we just kind of were like, well, maybe he's going to grow out of everything. This valve's going to be good and, uh, he'll grow out of the SVT. And then, when the SVT started getting aggressive again, um, back when he was, you know, 11, uh, 13 months, you know, a year, just a little over a year. And we had surgery four, five, and six, like pretty much, you know, four and five were back to back. Yeah. And with some other procedures that weren't surgical, but still whatever, um, you know, and just seeing all that stuff. I remember, dude, I remember like, God, why, why are we back to fighting this stuff? And I was trying to to build a business and on the side of my job at the time. And every time that I would try to step up my activity to, to try to get things going in the right direction, every single time, like my son would go back in the hospital. And I just remember, like, I remember driving through downtown Pittsburgh cause I worked in out near the airport. And I remember driving through downtown to children's and I remember coming through the tunnels and about the tunnels, man, it just, it hit me. Like I could not, stem but hold back the 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 tide of emotions and i just started bawling in my car yeah. and i remember just like <laughs> this sucks i'm in rush hour traffic you know and yeah. uh in pittsburgh which is 
ridiculous driving. If you've ever driven through Pittsburgh Lake, the, the it's kind of comical how crazy it is because you have to cross like four lanes to get into to this one. And then you come around a turn and then you get to merge onto this. It's just ridiculous. So I'm trying to stay alive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I can't see because I can't see through the tears. And I remember just bawling like a baby, man. Yeah. And I and I remember just feeling so tired and so raw. And I remember like, um, I remember saying, you know what, I'm going to worship God. And I remember turning on Hillsong and, um, I remember getting to the song, there's nothing like your love on the Zion CD. And I remember singing, um, just saying, you know what, I don't care, Satan, you're not, you're not going to take my kid because I'm I've laid claim to the promises of God that I'm made righteous through, through the blood of Jesus and he is going to be okay. And I remember singing worship to sing it in Satan's face and going, I don't care what I feel like he's going to be okay because mm -hmm. my God's bigger and I'm going to sing it in your face. And I remember getting in the hospital and like, I still was raw, but it was like, it's that kind of emotional feeling of like still being super, super raw but you start to feel a little bit better, you know? Yeah. Um, I remember one point I almost killed the security guard. <laughs> it was actually a parking attendant. It wasn't a security guard. And I talk about it on the book, but like um, my son had went in for another procedure and had been an extended stay in ICU, cardiac ICU. My wife ended up coming down with a bug, a stomach bug. So she was out of the hospital. So I was sleeping in the hospital, which is, it's terrible. <laughs> I don't know yeah, if you've ever course, slept in yeah. the hospital. I've definitely slept in the hospital. Yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Yeah. So like uh, sleeping in the hospital weekend and then sleeping in the hospital and then driving to work, trying to find organized people because she doesn't feel well enough, trying to organize people who can come spend time with them while you're gone, you know? And um, I remember like going to work and my work, like they were you know, they were indifferent. They're like, Hey, if you have off time, you can take off. If you don't have off time, you just got to come to work. And so I came to work, you know, uh, left from the hospital, drove through rush hour traffic. Hadn't seen my wife in a couple of days. Um, hadn't seen much of my oldest son because I can't drive to Morgantown to see him and he can't come stay in the hospital with me. So I'm right. You know, uh, making the most of it. And, um, you know, then I slept in the hospital again that next night. And then, uh, Anyway, long story short, I, I was trying to, to, my wife had finally got to, been able to feel good enough to come see my son. And I was like, talked to security and was like, hey, can we park our car there? And the parking attendant uh, decided that he was more important than security. And um, I tried to avoid him, hoped security would let it well, go. His rice bowl is more important than yours, right? I mean, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, dude, I bet you, tell you what, he almost <laughs> had no rice bowl. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm not, I'm not lying, man. When you, I'm not, I'm not proud of it because I haven't been in a fight in probably six or seven years. Um, there's, there's been some close ones where, you know, but, uh, that that's part of my past as well, man, where, uh, I'm really not proud of it anymore, but like a good portion of my disability is like broken hands, you know, <laughs> like, so yeah, no, I, I get, I get it, man. Go ahead. Finish your thread though. No, yeah. you're good, man. I, I love, I, I kind of hate the whole, like, let's talk about me. I'd much rather have the conversation. So I love, No, it is about you, bro. <laughs> yeah, dude. I tell you what, when, uh, I tell you, Jeff, I did not 
want to make this about me. I didn't want to speak. I didn't want to go on to start my own podcast. I didn't want to brand myself. I hate that. Yeah, not that I don't you, think it's a bad thing. Sometimes you don't have a choice. It, it finds you, right? I mean, well, I think it's, it's a matter of like, if I want to get my message out, I kind of have to be a face behind it. So, yeah, yeah, you know. So, so you you know not to not to cut you off. So you know basically you know you were dealing with all this trauma, and there were like all these like you know hard thing. You know, one of them being yeah. parking attendant being an asshole, right? Yeah. Um, you know, and I, I just kind of pick up through our conversation that you know, even though we're talking about you maybe potentially getting in a fight with a parking attendant, you know, at the same time, I'm I'm gathering that like you're a really sensitive guy, right? Like you're really intuitive, uh, obviously uh, you know, very in line with, uh, you know, your spirituality. Right. And this is one thing that some people, you know, it's, it's funny. People say, don't talk about religion or politics, like, you know, and I do shy away just a little bit from politics because I don't really feel like there's a lot of solution based, um, things that can be done there, at least on this platform. But I do not necessarily, uh, prescribe my religion on people, but I do most definitely 100% prescribe spirituality. Uh, I, I definitely think no matter how, you know, how, how analytical your brain thinks, it's always beneficial to believe in a higher power of some sort. Right. And so I would be curious, uh, you know, kind of like, I, I guess it was a two-part question earlier, but you know, what did this teach you, right? Like what, what was the biggest takeaway from the hardship of seeing your son almost die, right? Yeah. Multiple times at a young age, when you're in a time in your life, when you're really trying to get it all together, like things are starting to, you described it very early in the podcast, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm getting the white picket fence, the two and a half kids, the dog, uh, you know, the career, the, the, the trophy wife, no, no, you know, no pun intended. I, I don't, I don't mean to say that. that. Please don't take offense hey, to that, but not at all, man. I, my, my wife's a beautiful lady. I'm, I'll take that. Yeah. So, you know, I mean like all these things are lining up. Right. And so we get to this point where, okay, now it's all kind of crumbling down. Like you may lose the very uh, quote unquote trophy uh, that you aim to achieve which was this beautiful family right from six years old you wanted to get married and have a family right and so as this comes crumbling down these things you identified with uh or these things that were gifts from god so how did you keep your spirituality and then like what did that teach you right like what was the what was the major takeaway from this whole experience and how did you keep your spirituality actually you know what that's 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 actually the the, one of the main reasons i wanted to write my book Mm -hmm. you know um and then I could, I can point to individual takeaways from each individual hard experience. And there was more of them. And I tried, I, I hope I did a good job putting them out in the book, but you know, I, I guess for me, I, I didn't start this. So many people really questioned, did I do something wrong when something happens like this? So many people question, did I, you know, does God hate me? Is God punishing me? Why do I and deserve this? Yeah. Why do I deserve this? Um, you know, Jeff, I, I like, I had good mentors in my life that I knew that God's promises, if I say God's promises are that he wants us to have shalom peace. I was actually listening to, to Jennifer, um, 
I think the guest that you'd sent me over and mm-hmm. she was talking about God's wholeness. And that's what Shalom means is wholeness. I mm-hmm. want you to be whole. And so like, I knew I had spent a year at that time reading one Psalm and one proverb a day. So I got a really good picture of who God was and what he wanted for me and how much he loved me. And so like, when I came into this, I knew that Satan was the one who was attacking my kid. And I knew what God wanted these things. And so for me, it was a matter of matter of like, I'm just going to stand with God and stand this together. And by taking that stand, it was really cool. Cause like God was with me every step of the way. But if I yeah. didn't know God's character, like it would have been completely different, you know? Yeah. That's, that's probably the singular takeaway that you know we should all have right and i talk about this a lot with you know when i had suicidal ideations and uh not to retread like everybody that listens to this probably already knows but like you know at, at my lowest of low when i was like driving the aircraft carrier in the middle of the persian gulf it was really hard to see uh why continue to struggle right and so i started reading a lot of stoic philosophy because i thought that would help me like just suck it up just man up right and then it's beautiful what you're saying because the thing that saved my life was not uh, an SSRI or therapy. It was the uh, the final understanding of unconditional love. And that came in the way of, in the form of my wife, uh, who very happy, uh, love that woman to death. She saved my life. She hates it when I say that. And, you know, my kids, right? They unconditionally love me because kids don't, they don't, they don't, unless you're abusive, I mean, they just unconditionally love you, man. I mean, they don't, they don't discriminate, right? You're their person, you're their human because you created them. Right. And so you have to mess that up. And then the, and here's your boy right here. Hey, Samuel, come say hi. Samuel, come here. Come say hi. Now he's going to pretend to be shy. <laughs> no, that's fine. It's fine. Uh, yeah, we keep maybe, going. You were, dude, you maybe, were on a, on a roll. Keep going. Maybe that was perfect timing for him to come in, but, um, <laughs> no, so the, the the final thread on there was, you know, to your point is uh, what what saved my life was the and and those two things helped me, right? My wife and my son and my daughter, and yeah. and understanding that they love me unconditionally, and it taught me that I deserved love, right? Mm-hmm. And then yeah. through that, on the other end of that, I learned that God loved me already this whole time, right? Yeah. And I, I yeah. didn't need to seek it out anywhere else because it was already that agape was already there. Right. Yeah. So, you know, if you, if, if this is the hardest thing to teach, it's the hardest thing to try to get someone to grasp. But once you do, I mean, it's like breaking through the plane, you know, it's like, you know, it's like punching through the ether. It's like, okay, God loves yeah. me unconditionally. Therefore I deserve to be here and I need to fight like hell for everything that I think is right you know? Yes. And, and, um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, man. No, dude, I was, I was actually, I was actually thinking about this very topic, like thinking about this podcast and, you know, it's so hard is, and that's actually the the thing is it's so hard for guys, you know, because like so many of us have taught, and I don't know if this is like, um, not downgrading the boomer generation, but I don't know if this is the boomer generation or what, but we were taught like, don't cry. You know, we were taught, like, you know, we were made fun of for crying and for being weak for all this stuff. Take a salt pill, walk it off. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Yeah. the uh, man, um, you know, it's just, it's like an elder. I remember reading Eldridge's Way of the Wild Heart and him talking about like, dude, if you've never experienced that, Mm 
like childhood of just like overwhelming like agape love in your life from a father you you need to experience that and it didn't make sense to me how to get that um it was actually two parts like i said the first part was a daily meditation on god's love and proverbs and then the second was a couple books i read um but you know the thing is is like we are not as men we can't be strong without love love is not weakness love is actually courageous love is like is warfare like and i'm not talking about the feeling love i'm talking about like love is a choice love is a choice to choose the right thing for your kids and choose the right things for your wife even when you may also feel hatred towards your wife it's like hey i'm going to love her not because i feel it but because it's the right thing to do and that's that's manliness to me, like fighting the war for the things, exactly what you said, fighting the war for the things you do, but you can't do that if you don't feel that you're worthy of love, that you're loved unconditionally, that, yeah. you know, hopefully that lines up, man. hundred percent. Yeah, no. And, and, and just to add on, you know, or just to give you a little high five with how, how cool I'm feeling about this conversation, man. Like, Love is, you know, it's counterintuitive because we think like, oh, love's woo-woo bullshit. Like love is the strongest emotion out there and love will always win, period. Yeah. Period. Yeah. So you can choose to be an angry bastard your whole life. You can choose to, you know, look at everything through a negative lens and, you know, bark orders and, you know, yell at people and feel all these negative emotions. You can choose that, but eventually should you invite love in, it will win. Love is the most yeah. powerful emotion, immediately, uh, overwhelmingly, uh, unconditionally is, is the most powerful emotion that always wins. So yeah. if you look at love as a sign of weakness, I would challenge you to consider that it's the strongest thing possible. So yeah. what, what, what emotion would you choose? One that's strong, the strongest emotion, or, yeah. or one that's weak just because the Rambo movie told us that it was cool for this Vietnam vet with PTSD to go shoot up a Dude, bunch of people, and you know, <laughs> forgive me, but Rambo's bullshit. Like, yeah. 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 <laughs> like any, like, so I, I like to shoot a lot. Um, and I like yeah, to, same here. yeah. So I like, like to work with people that like train and stuff like that. Well, you picked up on out. my shirt. Yeah. Slow, smooth and smooth yeah. as fast. Yeah. So I already knew you were yeah. a gun guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, I don't know if I should say that working in the software industry, but it's out there. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, well, I don't. We'll see if it is or not. But whatever it is, what it is. But yeah, the uh, dude, I, you know what? Any guy will tell you who trains people. Um, if you have to go in by yourself, you're an idiot. I mean, absolutely, just a stupid. Pardon my French, fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, if you're gonna go try to take out a hundred bad guys like Rambo, you're stupid. Yeah. You don't ever do that. Like no Navy SEAL does that. No Navy SEAL has a team. Yeah. And you know what? You need a team in life. You need people in life who say, Hey, listen, I'm there for you. I got your back. I'm going to help you walk through this. And you need that. And you can only get that through love, through honor, you know, well, in a, in a um, community and a tribe. Yeah. Sebastian yeah. Younger's book tribe um, blue zones <laughs> talks about like, you know, community and how that helps people live to be a hundred years old. Yeah. absolutely man yeah absolutely yeah and i always I always joke that men um you know men are weird like we are just really different and you know we talk about love but really for men it's about honor 
Like, mm-hmm. I feel like that there's two, there's two currencies in man relation, manly relationships. And one of them's meat and the other one's honor, you know? <laughs> well, and you know, I, I, I focus a lot on my integrity too. Um, yeah. Which is right in line with honor. Same thing, you know? If, yeah. But I mean, like, this is like the currency of like with other men, you know, oh, how do right, you, right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. how do you connect with other men? Well, you show them honor, like, and you look at like the book, um, oh gosh, not his needs, her needs, um, love and respect. Like I just downloaded that. I haven't, I haven't, uh, I haven't listened to it yet. So great, it's good. Great. It's good. It's a good one. Great read. Uh, just, okay, it talks cool. about like, it's a real simple book. Egrich is, uh, the Egriches do a fantastic job just talking about how at the root women want love and men want respect. You know, at the root, I mean, men want to be loved too. Women want to be respected and honored too, but men crave honor and women crave love. And so that's the reason I say that like the currency of men is to honor people. And like, I've just tried to make that a template of every interaction that I have with, with another man is that, Hey, I'm going to treat you with honor. Hey, if I'm going to meet a guy in a prison cell, Hey, I'm going to treat you with honor. Not because out of weakness, not because out of like, you're better than me or stronger than me. I don't care because yeah. like, you're not going to beat me at anything because I'm like stubborn. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, I'm going to honor you because it's the, I want to show you God through me. And that's going to be to say, Hey, you're worthy. You're worthy of honor. You know, speaking on this honor thing, right? So I have a sign or a little placard that I have above my head uh, in my desk as people walk into my office. Because what I do is still military related, right? I work for the, well, it doesn't matter what I do. Still military related. And uh, so I have a sign above my head that says, uh, please leave your rank at the door, right? Mm -hmm. Because, and and it's great conversation starter because people come in and, you know, they'll try to tell me like, well, you know, I was an admiral or I was a chief or, you know, I was a gunnery sergeant. And I'm like, cool, man, my name is Jeff and I'm here to do a job, you know? So like, how can I help you facilitate what we need to get done? Right. And so I think, I think maybe that's a good segue into kind of like maybe my last question here. Um, Okay. You know, this one kind of throws people for a loop sometimes. I I think everybody understands the question, but sometimes, uh, you know, Sometimes it catches them off guard. So I'll give you a second if you need it uh, to answer. I don't think you will, but uh, you know, I, I kind of gave you a little warning, but you know, so basically, you know, for my, my life, I uh, was focused so much about my legacy and my reputation that, uh, you know, I was trying to be this, this super, like how many trophies can I put on the wall? Right. Kind of deal or how much rank can I put on my shoulder and, um, or my collar device, uh, that I was worried so much about that legacy and reputation that I worried a lot less about my character and value system. I'm not saying I didn't, but it was probably secondary, right? It was like less as important as, uh, you know, how, how I was perceived or how much I achieved. And so I think what I learned from that was that, you know, if we focus on our value system, our virtues, uh, we focus on our integrity, our honor, right? Like all these things you just talked about, everything you just said, if we focus on that, if we focus on our character in, in whole, uh, you know, our reputation and legacy will take care of itself, right? Like your book will sell, you know, it'll be a New York Times bestseller if you don't 
try to sell it as a product, but as a, 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 just a message of your, your values and your lessons and your, you know, just if you kind of strip all that away, right. Like just really be in line with your integrity and your character. So it's a long winded ask question, but what is your, <laughs> you know, if, if, if I were to write here in this book, like this is RL's, you know, this is how I would describe his character. Like, what would you hope that I wrote in this book? You know, or what would you hope was on your tombstone about your character? Like what, yeah. how would you define your character? And then what do you do to ensure that that is a true statement? Well, you know, it's funny. Cause like when you asked me that question, um, if you don't mind me sharing, like when I was 21, I remember hearing the North Carolina state motto, which is essay quam videre, which I don't speak Latin. I don't think anybody does, <laughs> you yeah, know, I don't yeah, know if yeah. we got the joke, um, but it means to be rather than to appear. And at 21 years old, I needed to hear that because I was really concerned about the same things. Like we all are as men. And do you hear my kid screaming downstairs at play? Oh yeah, games? it's good. It sounds like he's happy. Uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's, so, he's loud. I love it. We prayed for strength every day when he was born, but, um, and we've got amen. it. Yeah, um, amen. But yeah, so I remember that. And I remember feeling that Holy Spirit tug saying, hey, listen, you need to focus on being being rather than appearing and that's just huge but for me man if you could say with my book um i mean really back to what we were talking about about the love of god like the goodness of god um that would be what i would want my character to be is just to show that to mm. exemplify that you know if you put it on my tombstone like i don't know and it's just it's not about me it's about like showing others their value, showing others how much, how important they are showing others that, Hey, listen, you know, you can kick Satan in the teeth and see victory in life. And you know what, in the process, you're going to gain a lot of character and a lot of good things and a lot of strength. And you're going to become that rock you were talking about. Yeah, You know what I mean? But in the yeah. process too, like you become a rock that other people can build their lives on, like your wife and kids and your buddies, and you can link up being rocks. And it's just, it's to me, it's that um, that shalom piece of like, Hey, like everything working together, community, relationship, finances, you know, relationships in your home, relationships outside of your home, all that stuff. So I don't know. I don't, I, I feel like it's kind of a vanilla answer saying that I don't really care what my, I want my character to, to reflect serving and loving other people and showing that God loves them. I don't know that there's a better answer than that, man. I mean, I mean, there's, <laughs> Sounds... there's, there's really not. And and honestly, it's, you know, it's the best answer for you. Right. So yeah, exactly. It's exactly, exactly what it needs to be. So it's beautiful, brother. Thank you for sharing Thanks, that. Man. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you, you know, at 38 years old, you know, you've a lot of the piss and vinegar is out of you. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm hitting 40 here in a couple of months and uh, yeah, man, I, I, I don't know that I calmed down on purpose or it was forced upon me. Um, but, uh, it's definitely, you know, I don't know again, if that's a different thing for men or women, but like, for me, I, I welcome the calmness, you know, I welcome the, yeah. I, I welcome the maturity. I welcome the, I embrace the gray hairs, their wisdom highlights, you know, and I, yeah. I see you've got a solar dome there of, uh, 
of yeah, wisdom to receive love from. I don't know see if you can see how far back the the widow's peak goes, but it's pretty tall, man. It's like Kilimanjaro tall. And I wasn't yeah. Tall. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you go, you grow a, a nice beard, man. See, I can't do that. Like I, I look like a 12 year old boy. Like people ask me all the time, like you retired, like retired, retired from the military. Like, yeah. Like not medically retired, <laughs> like retired, retired. Like, yeah, yeah. Like I did 20 years. Yeah. You just need to start telling them you're 65 and be like, oh yeah, I'm tired. I'm 65. Just to space them out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, you so. could sell so many, like you should sell beauty products or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> there you go with the entrepreneur mindset. Yeah. Always Maybe, thinking, man. Always here's thinking. some snake oil. Like it worked for me. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I don't so. know what's wrong. You're just not using it right. You know? Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, always good to end on a laughter note. Uh, Hey man, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, appreciate, yeah. you know, the flexibility with the schedule, but more importantly, I, I appreciate your vulnerability uh, yeah. because, you know, that that's what we really need for men now. And that's what we need. Well, not even just for men, just from people in general, you know, is like their ability to share uh, not only the hardships that you've endured, uh, but, you know, the wisdom you took from it. Right. And then again, yeah. what you had to be grateful for, which as you explained was God's unconditional love and the gift of your son. Yeah. Uh, so you have a beautiful family, man. I appreciate Thanks, connecting man. and, uh, yeah, any, I'll just toss it over to you for one last, you know, you, you can close this out here with some closing thoughts if you had any. Oh, dude, you were, um, you were starting to hit on something that we, that if I read a second book, it's going to be about like dealing with trauma and the boomer generation and what they dealt with and what their parents dealt with and how it's imparted to us and how really, you know, getting over that pain and drama is being vulnerable and being open and honest. But I mean, if I could say anything, I just, I hope that you, um, that the Lord blesses every single one of you and he blesses you, Jeff, Amen. with all that you're doing, man, with your family, with your life, with your podcast. I hope that, uh, he blesses the works of your hands and his, that his face shines upon you, man. Thank you, brother. I think a lot of people are afraid to say this, but I'm not like, I love you, man. I received that. Yeah. And I, I appreciate, uh, I, I appreciate the sentiment. So I love you too, man. I don't know you very well, but I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to talking, not on podcast on podcast, whatever. I mean, yeah, it doesn't matter. I don't have to know you super well to love you, man. I receive a lot of, you know, a lot of yeah. energy, man. So I, I just pick up on it. So, uh, yeah, good stuff, brother. Thanks for your share. And, uh, I'll link everything in the show notes. All right. Awesome, man. Out here. There you go, guys. What a story, right? Um, you know, I think that there were so many takeaways there uh, that I probably wouldn't be doing it justice to uh, try to list them all here. I'll just say, you know, if you get anything out of it, I'm sure RL would appreciate uh, some direct feedback. So I'll put uh, links to his website. Uh, definitely check out his book. I, I, you know, disclaimer here and just being honest, like I haven't read it because it's not out yet. Uh, September 6th, uh, the book will hit the streets. And so, uh, what a great story. Uh, what a great perspective on such a, a hard and trying time in your life. Uh, so I will put all that in the show notes. It'll all be available to you. Uh, I also would invite you to do the same for this project. Uh, you know, if you get anything out of it, uh, I would appreciate a review, a share, all that stuff, man. Uh, and then if you are working out right now or whatever, you know, or you're driving and you don't have time to jot it down or you're not going to come back to the show notes, it's just www.rlsh, 
A-W-V-E-R.com. So, uh, yeah, check them out. Uh, and again, appreciate all of you. And uh, I love you guys. I say that each week because I mean it. And uh, I guess you'll hear more from me next week on the Evolution Podcast.